Welcome back to the show. Today we're talking about effective parenting in an ever-changing societal landscape with author, speaker, and video blogger Brett Ullman. Father came up to me and said, Brett, how do I talk to my daughter about sex? By the way, she hates me. And I said, what do you mean she hates you? And he said, oh, forget about that. How do I talk to her about sex? I'm like, dude, forget about sex. What do you mean she hates you? And I realized that I have spent 25 years now talking to parents and leaders, but I've never addressed the foundations. Culture is just so different. If you look at the ages that kids are dealing with things, sometimes I think parents don't even know what to do. How do we talk to a, a, you know, a grade six kid about sex or pornography or what they might see online? How to deal with alcohol and drugs, how to deal with interpersonal relationships and communication with teachers, and there's a million things. And that doesn't start as a parent like June of your grade 12 year. But you talk about everything, so there's no unwritten rules. I would have yearly family meetings. These studies that say if you eat dinner together, all the negative things parents don't want, drugs, alcohol, sex, kids dropping out of school, all of those things go really far down. Our kids are not with us forever. We better prepare them for life. Parenting, it's been called one of the hardest, most emotionally, physically, and psychologically taxing roles on the planet, and yet one of the most rewarding. As a mom of two precious ones myself, I would agree with that, and this is why I'm excited about today's show. Here are a few quotes about parenting that caught my attention while preparing for today. I came to parenting the way most of us do, knowing nothing and trying to learn everything. Having a baby dragged me kicking and screaming from the world of self-absorption. You can learn many things from children, like how much patience you have, for instance. Motherhood was the great equalizer for me. I started to identify with everybody. As a mother, you have that impulse to wish that no child should ever be hurt or abused or go hungry or not have opportunities in life. There really are places in your heart you don't even know exist until you love a child. Behind every young child who believes in himself is a parent who believed first. And finally, there's no way to be a perfect mother, but a million ways to be a good one. In the days of rampant social media use, smartphone and video game addiction, unpre unprecedented underage exposure to pornography, sexting, and the like, it is a dangerous time to be a passive and disengaged parent. That is why the work of our guest today is so important. Brett Ullman travels North America speaking to teens, young adults, leaders, and parents on topics including sexuality, mental health, men, dating, and media. He's an author and avid video blogger who has recently launched a new series called Welcome to Parenting, Navigating Everything. I'm looking forward to having him with us in studio today for what I'm sure is going to be a relatable and insightful conversation for so many of us. So let's get to it. Brett, I'm so excited to have you in the studio today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, so for those people that, out, that are watching that don't know you, um, give us a bit of your backstory. How did you come to be a man talking about parenting in Canada today? So I, uh, I was a teacher. I was teaching with the Toronto District School Board in Scarborough for about a decade. And uh, when I began speaking, I also began uh, teaching the same year. It was kind of weird. And so my teaching was consistent and my speaking grew. And suddenly I found myself... Uh, one and a half year old daughter who hadn't slept through the night, uh, pregnant wife, teaching full time, speaking full time, which is unbelievably unsustainable. Uh, and so I left uh, teaching and went full time into speaking. And just, you know, years ago I spoke on media. And then it was in those days we talked about like self harm and a few of these things. And over the years added in different topics dating, pornography, sexuality, uh, men really challenging us as guys to be better fathers, better husbands, better boyfriends. 
and then uh, mental health has been one of my it's one of my struggles as well but one of my bigger talks and then that kind of in the last few years has kind of morphed into the parenting conversation and it all came from uh, one conversation really I was at a talk with uh, I forget how many people talking on mental health and after I finished a father came up to me and said Brett how do I talk to my daughter about sex and I remember kind of thinking well, that's a great question but before I could answer him, he interrupted me and said, oh, by the way, she hates me. And I tried not to burst out laughing, but I said, what do you mean she hates you? And he said, oh, forget about that. How do I talk to her about sex? I'm like, dude, forget about sex. What do you mean she hates you? And I realized that I have spent 25 years now talking to parents and leaders and students on topical issues, but I've never addressed the foundations. Mm -hmm. And so that to me is kind of how I've begun talking more and more about the parenting conversations. Okay. So what do you see as being some of the primary challenges that parents have today? Um, well, there's challenges and there's, there's things that we're doing that kind of perpetuate and create more problems. Uh, I think one is just culture is just so different. If you look at the ages that kids are dealing with things, like uh, my daughter dealt with things like in grade two, she was on a trampoline. Uh, and so I have a grade uh, 12. My daughter Zoe's in grade 12. My son Ben's in grade 11. In grade two, she's on a trampoline. One of her friend's older sisters is talking about, uh, like she struggles with self-harm. And so I suddenly had to have a conversation with three grade twos on self-injury in grade wow. two. And then you look at when kids are looking at like pornography, it's like, you know, 10 or 11 years of age. And uh, music is coming to the home at younger and younger ages. And it's just interesting how all those things have been pushed down. And so we're having these things that are suddenly happening early. I think we as parents are unequipped. We don't really know, like, how do we talk to a, a, you know, a grade six kid about sex or pornography or what they might see online? And then from that, we're doing things. There's been cultural shifts in the last decade or so. We're overparenting. And overparenting is killing us. I mean, we are, uh, Julie Lithcott Hames wrote a book called uh, How to Raise an Adult. And she did a great TED talk as well. But she talks about how we've stopped preparing our kids for life and we've started protecting them from life. And you got like the nuance there's different. Where one is just protecting our kids, but one is saying, our kids are not with us forever. We better prepare them for life. Like my daughter will be heading to probably Laurier or Western University next year. She better be ready for everything. Mm -hmm. How to deal with boys, how to deal with pornography, how to deal with alcohol and drugs, how to deal with interpersonal relationships and communication with teachers. And there's a million things. And that doesn't start as a parent like June of your grade 12 year. And so there's all these things that are happening early. There's things, and there's so much on the internet. So how do, I, sometimes I think parents don't even know what to do. Right. They read one article one day and it says, do this. And the next article another day, it says, do this. I'm on the news yesterday and there's two articles side by side on my Apple app. Both are the exact opposite, but both are the news. And you're like, how do we even choose what, what is right and what is wrong these days? Okay. Okay. So I think you're hitting the nail on the head. You pointed out a lot of the, the obvious problems, wrestles that parents have. Uh, Give one tip before we throw to a break here and then we'll come back and talk more, but one tip of where pe parents start to lay that healthy foundation. I would have yearly family meetings. I did a program called the Arrow Leadership Program many years ago and the guy who was running it challenged us to have a yearly family meeting. Every August before school starts, when my kids were, I think they were six and five, we began to sit down and we put an agenda on the fridge, we explain what that is, but we talk about things. Uh, you know, uh, are they going to do sports this year? Great. Which sports? Gymnastics or dance? Do they need new ski boots if you're going to go skiing? Uh, you know, just all of these things. We talk about if we're going to go on a vacation, what kind of house we're going to be, but you talk about everything. So there's no unwritten rules. And there's even like an other business section where kids can bring up issues they have with how we as parents parent or how we're lacking in communication or how we're even over-parenting. We've told our kids, just tell us if we're over-parenting you. 
And so there's times, you know, your kid leaves without a coat and they're like, Dad, just stop overparenting me. Like, it's like I'm in grade 10. If I don't want to wear a coat, I'm not wearing a coat. But I think uh, the idea of a family meeting is just a great place to begin because it gives you a starting point to say, we're a family. We want to work through these things together. And what are the best ways that we can work together? Because it's not, we're the parents, you're the kids. It's how do we as a family have this home base that we can work from? And then school starts and we kind of begin through that. Okay, so that's obviously for kids that are older, like your, your grade tenor. What about uh, traditions for like little guys? Family uh, traditions. Well, I do think you should start family meetings at those ages. They're different, right? They're different conversations, but it begins that so that it's just always been part of my kid's life. Uh, another, like these things sound like just basic common sense, but eat dinner together. Mm. Like Columbia University did, I think it was four years in a row, these studies that say if you eat dinner together, all the negative things parents don't want drugs, alcohol, sex, kids dropping out of school, all of those things go really far down. But it's interesting how parents argue that with me. I was at a talk once and a father came up and he said, Brett, um, you challenge us to have family dinners, but my kids have sports. And I'm like, okay, so eat before or after the sport. And he said, before o'clock's too early. And I'm like, so eat at eight. And then he said, but if we eat at eight, we'd have to go out for dinner. And I'm like, so go, for, like, this is a never ending. He's like, so go out for dinner. I said, sorry, I said, go out for dinner. And he said, but we'd have to go to McDonald's. And I said, then go to McDonald's. And he said, but my, I hate McDonald's. And I'm just like, you just, just eat together. Like, this is not supposed to be a hard conversation. Like, right. yes, you might have to go to a, a restaurant or something and you might not like it, but most of the time you can have dinner at home. And there's just something about being at home together where conversation comes yeah. and phones are away like no technology and they're not just away they're not vibrating around or, or like they're off and we look each other in the eye there's no tv on and it's the cooking it's the eating it's the conversation you know tell me something good that happened today tell me some, something bad that happened today and you as spouses or if you're in a single family like you like we're all talking about this so our kids know that we have lives as parents as well and they kind of and then that's where the conversation begins Wow, powerful, beautiful. Brett, I know you've got so much more to share for us. We're going to throw to a break right now, and we'll pick up the conversation right after this. We're not getting rid of our phones. They're here to stay. But we need to look at how that we can make sure that we own them and they don't own us. I'm a really big fan of like the idea of little changes that make big changes over time. I don't make your phone the first thing you see when you get up and the last thing you see when you go to bed. Hi everyone, my name is Brett Allman and welcome to Parenting Navigating Everything, the channel where we equip and empower you as a parent to navigate all aspects of parenting in this modern culture we live in today. Uh, my challenge to you as a parent today is for you to start a gratitude jar. Being honest, I did not set this up, my wife did, but I love it. So all year, this jar, 2018 for now, uh, sits on our windowsill or behind us uh, on this table and there are some right little piece of paper and a pen and my wife actually made uh, a little sign as well but it sits out and anytime you feel thankful you feel gratitude for anything that's happened a good day a good meal good conversation good marks at school could be anything you write it down and then around christmas time each year we start to read a few of these things that we're grateful for as we're eating dinner and we just kind of slowly go through them it's incredible how many things we forget that have happened throughout the year it's a great reminder for all the things we're thankful for, and it's an easy, easy thing to set up in your home. I'd love to hear how it goes in your house. June 2020, something incredible is happening. The Canada Summit for National Progress. 
This is a strategic gathering for people who love Canada and want to see it reach its full potential. At the summit, you will hear from knowledgeable speakers who are experts in their fields, giving insight into some of our nation's biggest challenges. Then together, participants will dream and strategize, looking for ideas to solve these challenges through policies, inventions, innovations, or community initiatives. Some of these ideas will be launched right at the summit to impact the lives of Canadians for the better. We believe that the Canada Summit for National Progress could be one of the most significant transformational gatherings in our nation. Canada needs people who can face problems head on, but then look past them with a spirit of hope to find the solutions. We hope you'll join for this cutting edge gathering of dreamers, innovators, and doers. Let's build a better Canada for the future, June 2020. To find out more or register, visit canadasummit.ca. Register soon as capacity is limited, www.canadasummit.ca. Due to uncertainty surrounding COVID-19, this year's event will be online, which means you can participate from anywhere in the nation. We hope you'll join us. Through the Fateen Show, we're tackling issues influencing our nation's future, like freedom of conscience, racism, poverty, the debt, human trafficking, abortion, democracy, and much more. If you missed a show, you can watch anytime at Fateen.tv or on YouTube. We hope to see you there. We love Canada, and we want to see it strong for generations to come. That's why we do this show. We can't do it alone. We need your help. Unlike commercial TV, this program is 100% donor-funded. If you'd like to see more episodes produced on important issues for our nation, please consider signing up to be a monthly partner or giving a special gift today. Every gift makes a real difference, and all gifts are tax-deductible. Together, we can build a better Canada for the future. Visit Fateen.tv or call 613-552-5572 to donate today. Awesome. I've got Brett Ullman with me. He is a public speaker, avid video blogger, and author, just an incredible communicator, talking about all things parenting uh, today. So right before the break, we were talking about family traditions. You talked about dinner, and I heard you say something about putting the phone away. Mm. So any tips for parents in this day and age on how phone management for families? I think this is... See, I think, again, going back to family meetings, in our family meetings, we talk about how we're all struggling with this. This is not a teen issue. It's, it's all of us issue. Like, I'm 48. I struggle with my phone, right? Like, we all, there's so much stuff we can do. There's, there's a never-ending amount of things we can do on our phone. So first off, just acknowledging it's all of us. But there are things that we just need to address. So I have, like, a nine-part video series on YouTube where I look at having, I call it a new relationship with our phone. Meaning we're not getting rid of our phones. They're here to stay. But we need to look at how that we can make sure that we own them and they don't own us, to use the old kind of cliché. Uh, one of the first things I say is just even acknowledging how many times we touch our phone and how many times we open it per day. Studies say we, we actually touch it in the thousands of times per day. You've been at a restaurant, you have your phone and you're twirling it and it's up and it's down, it's up and like we all do these things all day long. They're in your pocket, you touch it, you touch it, you put it in the other pocket. Let's just look at how we can touch it less. I'm a really big fan of like the idea of little changes that make big changes over time. I think it was Frederick Nietzsche once said, for anything great to happen, there needs to be a long obedience in the same direction. So touch it less and then open it less. We open our phones between 70 and 150 times a day. That's actually like opening it up and having interaction with it. Maybe we don't. Maybe the moment we're done this interview here, we both, you know, like usually if you're at a conference, we grab our phones and we look at them. 
don't. Uh, don't make your phone the first thing you see when you get up and the last thing you see when you go to bed. Like, there's just some simple things. Uh, turning off notifications. The other day, I got a, a tweet, and it said, someone who hasn't tweeted in a while tweeted today. And I'm like, who cares? Why is that something that's actually interrupting my life? But you can go in and turn off those things. Now, I want messages, right? There's certain things I want coming through, but not that. Mm -hmm. And then looking at how we, whether it's work, school, it's the idea of full attention, not partial attention. Now, again, it's teaching our kids, not telling our kids, right? These are things we need to start doing. So it's not telling your kids, get off your phone. It's explaining why there's good reasons to be off your phone. So if they're doing homework, uh, one study says that kids take three times longer to do the same homework today because of technology. So if they have their Chromebook, whatever book out, and they have their phone propped up beside it, every, what, 20 seconds, ding, Snapchat, something shows. And so they're writing an essay and they're looking at this. And they go back, they're, not, they're losing their train of thought. So I just tell students, turn it off. Work for 45 minutes. Work for 45 minutes. For me, it's about 45 minutes to an hour that I can give full attention to whatever I'm doing. And then take a break. Mm -hmm. Wow. Let's talk about pornography. Because these we're talking about just the general interruption of life and how mm -hmm. social media has kind of taken over our world. Phones have taken over our world. But uh, you know, I read a study that said 9 out of 10 uh, boys in Canada are being exposed to pornography before the age of 18. Mm. Uh, how do parents navigate this in today's day and age? A huge when question. the porn comes looking for you, you don't go looking for it. Yeah, it's not if you see pornography, it's when you see pornography mm -hmm. these days. And so I think just first off, being willing to have conversations that we don't like. Like, do I want to talk about pornography with my five-year-old, six-year-old kid? Now, there's good books like uh, uh, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And someone once said to me, oh, you're showing kids books on pornography. It's like, you're really, like, this is actually a book talking about just pictures, like, you know, body parts and simple conversations of sex. Because sex and dating and pornography are all part of kind of a trifecta, of like a worldview we have of things like sexuality. But it's, it's having during your family dinners, because there's entanglement in all these things. During our family dinners, having open table. Anyone can ask any question, anytime. And those things are big when your kids start, you know, just saying, well, what is this? I heard this, you know, at sports today or on the schoolyard or from a friend of mine. And then it's realizing that we can combat this and so it's being, you know, on our home computers, putting filters. There's things like Covenant Eyes. I have a YouTube video on this as well. There's like 10 of them. There's a new one called Bark, which I'm just testing out right now. And what I love about it is it actually uh, talks also about things like sex trafficking. And so there's some AI, some artificial intelligence, where if people are being asked to send nudes or different things, or there's just grooming kind of language, mm. it actually alerts you as a parent. Wow. And there's some, so there's some new good products coming out, but it's being willing to say, I'm not going to wait till there's, like, my kid's addicted to porn in grade 10. I'm going to begin to talk about these things age appropriately, age by age as they get older. And every kid's different. You know, when your kid was five and when mine was five, they might have been very different. And so we're not destroying innocence, but we're looking at how do we equip and empower our kids so that they're ready, that they understand and can process conversations. Like, how does a grade three kid process pornography? And how does that then move into dating? Uh, I forget the quote, but someone once said, like, what do we do with a generation of young men who've never been told this is not who you are? And this rolls into dating. Women believe they're a porn experience for men. Men believe that that's what they deserve. And it's like, there's so many conversations in here with our sons and our daughters. And, just, and then that kind of branches off to sex trafficking and other things like that. So there's so much to say in that conversation. 
So let's then talk about dads, because I think some of these conversations are dad-type conversations. Uh, maybe, maybe not, but how can dads be intentional in today's day and age? It's interesting. I've just finished writing my newest book, so it's a massive book on parenting. But almost every chapter that I wrote, the statistics, when you read them, are really bad for men. You know, you look at mental health. We're not, we as men just don't want to talk about it. So we don't talk about it as men, then we therefore don't talk about it with our kids. Pornography, the addiction rate is just so much higher for men. It's like 60% of men are addicted, 20% of our women are. Now, you hit college, university age, it's actually men and women these days. But everything was just that there's some negative things for men. And so I just think we have to start looking at how do we begin to empower fathers to be better fathers? Because I think a lot of men today feel trapped. I think they feel ill-equipped. They don't know what to do. Their dads never talk to them about sex or different things. And so I see a lot of, I use the word floundering, if that's a good, like just, they just don't know what to do. And so they're just kind of going through life. But I think we need to look at how we can help equip dads to be better dads. Mm -hmm. And some of it's just presence. Some of it's turning off the Raptors game when your kid comes in and looking them in the eye and having a conversation. This is, the, I, this is called, it, to me, I call it attachment parenting. Uh, Leonard Sachs, the author in his book, uh, The Collapse of Parenting, talks about this. Like, we need to have our kids attached to us before they go attached to their friends. Mm -hmm. And so as dads, we're part of this, mm -hmm. right? And I mean, they're single families, but in, in a family with a mom and a dad, both of us need to attach our, to our kids. And both of us bring different things to our children as well. 100%, 100%. So now I'm going to give you some shotgun questions here, because mm. I, I know you're a resource guy. I've checked out your YouTube channel quite extensively. Best book for dads, one, top number one. Best book for dads. Uh, I would say Hold On to Your Kids by Gordon Neufeld and Gabor Mate. Okay. Best book for moms. I actually would say the same one. Okay. It, it's not just a book for dads or moms. Uh, maybe for moms, I would say The Collapse of Parenting by Leonard Sachs. Okay. Best books, book for just creating healthy family culture? Um, Same one? <laughs> see, there's so many. I have a YouTube video, which is my top 10 books on parenting. Uh, probably, I think for anything by Tim Elmore. I think Tim Elmore gives very practical conversations looking at students today, like Generation Z, uh, you know, millennials. It's funny, we always talk about millennials. They're now like 38 with children. But it's just looking at, as parents, looking at younger generations. And I think he does a really good job with that. Okay. So we've just got about a minute left here, Brett. Uh, in the last few moments, what would be your encouragement, not only to uh, parents, but to pastors who pastor parents uh, in our current context today? I think we need to start realizing how important parenting is. Like, we need to equip parents and talk about, like this is my parenting navigating everything talk, parenting styles. What do we do, what, what don't we do? We have to help parents, like there's so much stuff out there. How do we as leaders, whether faith leaders or other leaders, help parents navigate through all that stuff? Uh, how do we get good communication in our homes? You know, how do we actually work at communication? Uh, do our kids know we love them not just because they get good report cards or they follow our rules? Mm -hmm. How do we create time that we spend with our kids? Mm -hmm. uh, I always love the marbles analogy jar. Uh, the day you have a kid, you have 936 marbles, and every week if you pull out one, when they're 18, there's no marbles left. Mm. Now, you're always a parent, so the day you turn 18, there's no marbles left, start putting marbles back into the jar. Every time you love on your, your young adult, every time as they get older, you have a grandkid and take them out for dinner or something. But the point is just, there's a fleeting amount of time, so how do we use that time, right? Even discipline. Mm. Discipline needs to switch from punishment to training. And there's a big difference between punishing kids for what they've done or teaching them how to do it properly. Wow. Profound. Well, Brett, you've given us so much to think about in such a short amount of time. Where do people find you? 
Uh, my website's just my name, brettallman.com. Okay, you got a book coming out spring of 2020? I do. It's not just a book. It's six books in one. It's a 250,000 oh word <laughs> handbook. I wanted a resource that's one place where parents can find everything. So it's coming out uh, probably in May. Okay, yeah. wonderful. Well, thank you for being with me today. We'll be watching you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Brett Ullman. Welcome to Parenting, Navigating Everything, the channel where we equip and empower you as a parent to navigate all aspects of parenting in the modern culture we live in today. Please make sure you click the subscribe button to this channel so you can keep updated on future weekly videos. I want to talk today about the different, type, the different types of influence you have as a parent and how these influences change over the years. When you have young kids, you have what we call positional influence over them. Because of your position as an adult and their position as a child, they do what you want. As time goes on though, you'll see this positional influence decrease to almost nothing. We see these battles in houses with teenagers where parents try to use their positional influence on their kids. It doesn't work and it will hurt your relationship with your kids. The other type is, of influence is called relational influence. Unlike positional influence, when your kids are born, you have, well, none. And as your kids grow, your goal must be to grow your relational like influence, your relationship with your kids, so that because of this relationship, you might have influence. When my kids go to a party or go out somewhere and I say, hey, can I just remind you of something before you go? My kids say yes. They say yes though, not because I'm their dad, not position. They say yes because my kids know that I'm for them and I'm not against them. They know that I have their best interests at heart and I've spent my life growing a relationship with them. Family meals, family vacations, movies, game nights, walks, countless hours of conversations at home and driving in cars, coaching their teams and just being involved and interested in their lives. These things have built a relationship so that when my positional influence has waned, my relational influence has taken over. Parents, make sure you are building a relationship with your kids. Love to hear your thoughts on this. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining Brett Ullman and I today to talk about building healthy kids and families, which will inevitably help us build a healthier nation. As we go forward from today's show, please join us in keeping Canada's families in prayer. And let's also encourage our elected officials federally and provincially, as well as municipally, to continue to bring forward strong fiscal policies such as income splitting and social policies that will give families the support that they need to succeed. It could be your call, your email, or letter that makes a real difference. Also, please share this show with your friends and family so that they can find out more about what's happening in our nation. Shows can be watched anytime on, you, on our YouTube channel, phone app, my public Facebook page, or at faithteen.tv. Lastly, we want to invite you to join our team. As a nonprofit program, this show was made possible today by the generous gifts of people who love Canada and want to see it strong for generations to come, our monthly partners and special donors. When you become a monthly partner or give a special gift, you enable us to keep on air nationwide speaking to the issues shaping our future. Please feel no pressure at all, but if you do want to join the team, you can call 613-552-5572 or visit fayteen.tv today. God bless you. God bless your loved ones, and we hope to see you next week. Prayer is undeniably one of the most powerful forces in the universe. 
It has the power to reach through walls, across regions, and into the hardest of situations to bring change. It has the power to save lives. That is why we're committed to raising up 24-7 prayer for our nation. Through the Justice Wall, you can sign up for a 15-minute prayer slot every week to pray for life in Canada, to pray for an end to human trafficking, and for godly government in every region of our nation. Sign up for one or many weekly prayer times. You'll even be given weekly reminders and prayer directives if you want them. Visit www.justicewall.com to sign up for your time and join with believers from sea to sea who are standing on guard for our nation every week through prayer www.justicewall.com